Hello. Hello. I'm Grace. And I am Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they may be even better for adults. Yes, indeed. This week, The Seer and the Sword by Victoria Hanley. The clanging of swords. I mean, but this sword doesn't fight. It's a peace sword. And, and the gentle hum of a, of a magical sword that's uh, imprisoned in a pyramid box. <laughs> Thank you. We'll spend the rest of the episode wondering exactly what that sounds like. Yep. This book was published in 2000. It is a standalone novel, but Victoria Hanley has two other books that are quote unquote companion books to it. Same universe. Um, yeah. Set in the same universe. And I imagine some overlap of characters. Um, but as you can tell from reading it, it is a fully contained story. It does not need anything more. In yes. fact, it feels like I read a whole series in yeah. one book. Yeah. I, I was really worried like three quarters of the way through. And that's when I looked up to see if there was a sequel or books after it. Cause I was like, this better not end on a cliffhanger. Cause like just so much stuff going on in the book. Like, yeah. Oh no, I need to find out how it ends. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. This book was requested by multiple listeners. Thank you all so much. I think the first two were Aaron and Donley going very years back now. Um, but we, I really enjoyed reading it. I had a great I, time. I also enjoyed reading it. Thank you, Grace. Quintessential <laughs> medieval fantasy adventure. Yeah. So if you haven't checked it out before, definitely recommend that you pick it up. Yeah. We do thoroughly spoil every book that we cover, so if you haven't read it or want to refresh yourself, run along. We'll be here when you get back. And it's it's a quick read. Yes. Yeah. So, we will start with a breakdown of how the publisher chose to package and promote this book. I, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of this cover. Um... I guess it's not I very should, exciting. I should describe it before I start editorializing. <laughs> but the cover of the book is a depiction of Tarina holding her crystal, which looks really different than how I pictured it based on the description in the book. Yeah. Her hair is flowing around her. She has on a green dress and she's gazing into the distance with sort of haunted eyes. I like when my YA fantasy covers really fall at either end of the spectrum of depicting an event that actually occurs like a in full the book. on scene. Yeah. It yeah. needs to either be very accurate and precise and clearly the artist has read the book or if not read, been given a scene, a specific scene to depict. Yeah. Or totally like symbolic and representative and way off in the other direction of like, this is their artistic vision of what they feel represents the book. Right. Much more esoteric and like free medium. Yes. This is kind of in between the two because yeah, this doesn't right. feel like a moment that really happens in the book. I think it's older Tarina. Um, yeah. And it feels to me like when she's living in her cabin, but she has a fine dress right. on and the way that she is cupping the crystal, she doesn't look 
well. <laughs> yeah. She I don't feel that the crystal is showing her something helpful. And it does often show her dark omens. Um, but she's but not looking into it. She's not looking at it. I would, I would like this cover a lot better if she were looking into the crystal. That would be really cool. And it could be illuminating her face. Her and hair her could eyes, be kind of yeah. flowing up a little bit more. Um, and interestingly, I found a great blog post by a by a librarian. The blog is um, Mrs. Reader Pants. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, she... Um, so she she added the book to a starred book list at her library for the students to read. She said that Tarina, terrible cover. Tarina looks crazy and evil on the cover, <laughs> which is not at all the case. I know for a fact that the red haired girl on the cover definitely keeps boys from checking it out. Two different boys at my school who read oh. and loved it told me they were embarrassed by the cover and tried to keep it hidden as best as they could. Um, and this isn't you know, that brooch is an interesting conversation. Like, obviously it's a problem that young boys don't feel comfortable reading a book with a girl on the cover. But I think it also has to do with the way that she's depicted here because it does have kind of a like young and romantic feel to it. It also seems like it it makes it seem like it's for a younger audience. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So maybe that's part of why the boys also didn't, they were like, oh, it's a baby book. I remember mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I never wanted to be seen reading a book that was like not high enough reading level because I thought that that was like embarrassing. Oh no. yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. Even though I love all books and continue to. Now I don't and care. And here we are with our <laughs> YA fantasy podcast. Yeah. The number Full of circle. strangers who here I have a podcast and are like, oh, are you a teacher? Like, why are you doing this? Like, for me. <laughs> because we love it. <laughs> That's right. Um, and then I think the other problem is just the rendering is not great. Like, I, I feel like the colors are pretty dull and drab and it has that sort of um tedious watercolor feel to it to it i don't know it's it's just, nitpick, i don't enjoy it just this. like one other thing that i sorry do you want to finish that line and then i'll say my i finished i said this <laughs> i feel like um if the crystal had more weight, I would also have mm-hmm. liked it a lot. It looks like a, a soap bubble that's mm-hmm. just kind of balancing on her palm right. there. And I have a, it's not big. I would say like maybe two inch diameter, less than that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's like a jade uh, crystal ball that I got off of Etsy because I wanted it. <laughs> it's really cool. It looks awesome. But when you hold it in your hand, it is... It, it has a definite heft to it. It's mm-hmm. solid rock, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that that just bothered me about it. And yeah, it should have like swirls in it or, you know, it shouldn't just look like a little soap bubble. Oh, I guess it is a sphere. So that's yeah. on me. Oh, I, you I didn't think it was a sphere. It wrong. I thought it was a pendant. Oh, um, kind of like okay. the light of a lendial. Yeah, more along those lines. A round pendant, but a faceted stone i think it's bad (laughs) 
Even though, as I've just shown, I was actually wrong. (laughs) I still don't like it. We love the book. Um, Whoever did the cover clearly has artistic skill and merit. We just don't like it. I know. Now I feel like a jerk. Literally, anytime we see anything negative on the podcast, I'm like racked with guilt afterwards because we don't want to put that energy out. We choose lesser read works because we want to celebrate the people who help create them, including the cover artists. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Let's go to the next section. <laughs> so for plot summary, we are going to aim for, and we'll see what happens. We're going to aim for broader strokes with this one because this is a book that is all about the plot and we cover years. Boy, does it zip. It zips and Thrones, it zops. changing hands, multiple assassinations. Assassination attempts. <laughs> a lot going on. Yeah. Madeline? Yeah, multiple cross-country flights. <laughs> Periods of exile. Yeah. Changing identities. Uh, yeah. Um, so. Suddenly out of nowhere, two-thirds through the book, a pivotal character who is the High King just shows up. I know. It's never been mentioned before. A super king, (laughs) which I loved too. Um, So, main characters uh, are Tarina and Landon. Tarina is a princess. She is the daughter of King Karid and Queen Drea. Drea, because it's two E's. Yeah, both of us read it. There was no audiobook, so apologies if we're wrong about on the pronunciations. and Tarina lives in, I'm not going to remember all the kingdom names. Arkeld? 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 I don't know how to pronounce things. Arkeld? We'll go with Arkeld. Um, she, uh, and, and the kingdom is growing because King Kareed is a, a bit of a Genghis Khan. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just trying to expand his holdings and he is an excellent warrior. Um, he like all of his men are really well trained because like they've been trained under him and, uh, the one of the neighboring countries, which is like supposed to be an enlightened place of like learning and peace and all this. Belandra. Belandra. Turns out they're not very good at fighting. Um, so he just goes in there and, you know, just steamrolls them. Uh, he kills the king. Uh, the king's son is there, Landon. He sees his father get got. And his father says to him, Te- find someone to teach you to fight. Yeah. Um, before he dies. And there's like a magical sword at play that belongs in Belandra. It's just at play because like no one's using it. Spoiler, like the sword literally never does anything. Except sparkle. And, yeah. And warm up Landon. Right. On a cold night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it has like sting levels of magic abilities. Uh, sting Bilbo's sword, of course, not the, not the musician. Not the singer. <laughs> Um, it's yeah it's it's not we don't get to see what it does but it's more of a symbol Mm -hmm. um and kareed takes it i guess it's like a symbol of peace yeah like that's what it's meant to be it's not supposed to be there's a curse on it that it will if it turns on whoever uses it in combat yeah yeah um so kareed takes land in the prince and uh, the magic sword the sword of belandra belandra back to arkeld with him um, and then his uh, uh, bad dude prodigy, um, comically evil prodigy, uh, but great at charming people, 
So he's like a sociopath, or I guess you just call him a psychopath. Mm -hmm. His name is... Vesputo. Vesputo. Okay, I I called him Vesputin, (laughs) and then I couldn't stop thinking that. Vesputo. Um, He, uh, yeah, he's also in the mix. He's just evil. Um, But when the king comes back, he throws Landon at Tarina's feet, and he's like, this is your slave. And there's a line, too, where he thinks in his head, like, she doesn't have any other slaves, but this is important. Yeah, he specifically says, we don't have slaves. Right, yeah, like, slaves are really... introducing slavery into the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, so he makes a lot of... To shame his enemy, who he has already killed. Yeah. Yeah, um, and Curry he wants has to like issues. Uh, break the spirit of Belandra to make sure mm-hmm. Belandra to make sure like they can't rise up or whatever. Uh, Tarina is like twelve around. Mm-hmm. Landon is around that age too. He's a few years older. A than few her. years older, right? Okay. She says no. I don't want a slave. That's messed up, Dad. Uh, what she actually says is, "I wait. I can do whatever I want with him." And Creed mm-hmm. says yes. And then she says, "Okay, I set him free." Then and Creed's like, "Ah." <laughs> <laughs> um, but he accepts it because like he wants to like show strength. Um, Vesputo seems real put out at that. Um, you know, he was probably wanted slavery to come into style. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like his vibe. Yeah. Uh, so Kareed says like, okay, Landon, go to the barracks. Like you'll be raised up like any other young soldiering man. Uh, so that happens. And uh, Tarina continue like... Landon and Tarina, while he's doing his training, he is a really, really good bowman. Um, he is not good at fighting when he starts, but he like takes all the lessons and he's learning a lot. He starts carving bows because that's an art that he's allowed to practice um, because Belandra is a place of arts and enlightenment. So that it matters a lot to him that he can do that. Um, he doesn't have a lot of skills that translate in Arkeld, which to a warrior is so war-driven. Yeah. Whereas he's coming from really an artisan kingdom. Yes, exactly. Um, and that that kind of encompasses a few years. He he makes a nemesis by the name of Baron, uh, who is, uh, he's like, um, I don't know, evil also, but kind of sadder evil because he becomes a, a henchman of Vesputo. He's a crony waiting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a large for his age mean boy. Yes, yeah. And uh, um, Landon beats him at a archery contest because there's like the trials or whatever after the mm-hmm. boys finish their training. Um, and he, he wins. He wins the grand prize of the archery contest and Baron doesn't like that. Um, and then meanwhile, Tarina is growing up. She uh, escapes from uh, um, she escapes from her handmaids and her entourage when she can uh, because uh, Landon starts giving her archery lessons. But the important thing there is to right after the trials, Baron actually pushes uh, Landon off a cliff. And uh, Tarina knows this because she has that crystal ball that Kareed gave her. That was he also brought the crystal ball back um, with him when he had the sword in Landon. Uh, he it was given to him by the seer of Belandra, who mm-hmm. he had like no idea who she was or why she was important. Um, she like he burst into a room when he was raiding the castle, and she looked up and just like handed it to him and said, "For your red-haired daughter," and then died. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> and then fell over and died. I was like, whoa, what an uh, exit. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
very like Obi-Wan. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so that's, and yeah, he, he brings it back to Torino and gives it to her. And that's when she realizes that she's a seer. It doesn't, like she kind of learns it piecemeal. Um, her grandmother knows who is her confidant. She's very close to her. Um, but Landon also knows because she saves Landon's life uh, when he's like dangling off the cliff after Baron has pushed him. She saves him. She shows up with the rope. Um, because and- her crystal told her that he, her crystal told her that he was going to die. Sometimes the crystal is wrong because she can change the outcome. Which is inordinate. Depending on when she intervenes and what she does. But she doesn't know whether it's going to come true or whether she can change anything. Yeah. It's mysterious. Yeah. Um, And so after that point, Landon is teaching Tarina archery. Uh, They like periodically meet um, and do archery in the forest and not hear him and I like hit broad strokes. Um, At some point... Time passes. Yeah. Time passes. They're getting older. They're like young teens now. He's, He's a bit older than her, but she's like 14, 15. Um... And she's starting to be watched a lot more by her attendants because she's like being trained to be a king's wife, as it said. Um, so she like, because there are no male heirs. In fact, there are no her. other heirs. Yeah. Her mom had miscarriages. It's just her. Um, so they kind of like make up a, a pact that like they'll always be friends. Like they have that little meeting or whatever. Um, but then she falls in love with Vesputo, um, who is like, uh, you know, happens off screen. Yeah. He's, he's just like being charming and wily and he's like a, a handsome man and she's a child. So like, of course, um, and, uh, Landon sees this and like, he hears that they're going to be betrothed and they haven't really talked to each other in a few years cause they haven't been able to get close to each other. Um, and he knows that Vesputo is a bad guy. So he, he's finally able to meet Tarina. Um, like they get a second together. He meets her like out when she's riding or something. And he's like, Vesputo has a lot of girlfriends. <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> you should know that. And she gets really upset because they're like betrothed. They're supposed to be married in a few months. And he tries to say bigger things too about how Vesputo is not a person that's trustworthy yeah he's um, terribly evil and isn't good for the king but the way that he can evoke a response is by being like and what about his girlfriend irene yeah mm-hmm. yeah so tarina then she runs back home and then she overhears Vesputo and irene in the courtyard like canoodling and, Vis- and plotting yeah like plotting and Vesputo <laughs> being like well she'll be you know i'll she'll teach her to who be obedient yeah she's my wife um so then she's like yeah. okay not gonna marry him anymore she like runs up into the castle and then her grandmother is dying um which like happens right away she's distraught she's super upset um and uh, is that when she tells Vesputo like I heard you I'm not gonna marry you um like around then it all happens pretty quickly yeah uh and yeah in succession mm -hmm. he she tells him she knows uh vesputo has her like confined to recorders her mom is confined to recorders and drugged not yet though it's after he kills her dad we missed that so her grandmother dies. Her grandmother dies, and then um, she and then she in goes the to warn her father of yeah. Vesputo's treachery. Yeah, 
Um, and then Vesputo comes in the room while she's there and he stabby stabs the king. King dies. Uh, and that's, With a stiletto, which is the uh, assassin's weapon of choice in this book. Yes. All I looked it up. It's a thin, long dagger. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, poisoned stiletto. It's poisoned stiletto. And he blames Landon for it. And that's like the last time that Landon sees Tarina. He's like, I'm leaving. Uh, Vesputo is going to kill the king and he's going to blame me. So I'm out of here. And then he books it. It happens. Tarina isn't mm-hmm. able to stop him from killing the king. And that's when Vesputo like confines her to a room and mom to a different room. Drugging mom like opium seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, so he even gets her addicted to it. Uh, or Irene, his like girlfriend, is in charge of watching over Tarina, and she has the crystal um, because uh, Vesputo took it from Tarina. Um, you know, he he wants someone else to read it, and Tarina lies to Irene about how to use it, which leads to Irene being alone with Tarina in her room, um, and Tarina gets the drop on her like knife to her throat has her drink the sleeping draught that she's brought for Tarina. And then she cuts off both their hair and like, so that she can use the braid to escape and disguise Mm -hmm. Irene. She gets out of there. Um, in the stables, she encounters Eric who was a good friend of Landon's and who she trusts. Um, and he feels loyal to her. He realizes what's going on and he gives her the King's horse. Um, you know, she's dressed as Irene, but Eric knows who it is. She books, um, she leaves, she's like following the way that Landon went across to Desant, um, which is like across the kingdoms. And uh, then <laughs> Vesputo finds out, he's like, whatever, we'll just have a wedding. We'll just pretend Irene is Tarina. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> um, so they do that. Uh, Drea is... Uh, like out of her mind with grief and like being drugged and like Tarina won't talk. She wouldn't talk to her before she left because Vesputo told Tarina if she did that she would, he would just have Drea killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the wedding happens and uh, um, shortly after he, uh, it's so reminiscent of princess bride. <laughs> yes. Yes. Same man, man and, and wife, wife. <laughs> man and wife. Man and wife. <laughs> Um, and then Vesputo just kills Irene too because mm-hmm. uh, Baron, who was tracking Tarina, came back and he was like, "Go and find her," because Tarina almost died like wading through a stream the whole time so that she couldn't be tracked, and mm-hmm. she sent the horse back, going um, from a stream up into trees. Yes, too cold. Yeah, that was a really cool visual. Stream. Yeah. Um, Baron comes back without her, and Vesputo is like, "Fine, she's dead then." And then. He- <laughs> kills Irene and like has a funeral for her as Tarina. Like he says, he claims that she took her own life because of her grief and she was mad or whatever. So now this fugitive is king and uh, Drea does manage at this point to wean herself off of the poison. I mean this, the drugged goblets that she's being given every night mm-hmm. um it's not technically poison but it is keeping her in a daze at all times yeah i, th- I um, think it's just right and Vespito, yeah i think so and yeah. Vespito tries to make her sicker so that she can't go to the funeral and it seems like he's actually um, been trying to kill her and at that point it seems like he is trying to push her a little closer to death but he doesn't want to like outright kill her and he knows that people are just dropping like flies it's not a good idea for this beloved and also woman who he sees is totally innocuous um who does 
doesn't necessarily have to die yeah. to follow suit. And she does a really smart thing mm-hmm. where at the funeral she says loudly um, so people can hear her, including her old friend who's like the trainer named Emid, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Vesputo, someone's been drugging me. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, no, I can't drug her anymore. Yes, Dang yeah, it. because she like shouts it at the funeral. So good job, Drea. Yeah. Um, so then she like gets her old attendant back and she still believes that Tarina is alive. Um, she doesn't trust the like mysterious marriage and funeral. She's yeah. like, okay, this seems goofy to me. Yeah. Landon had made it to Desant. He became a successful soldier in that king's army, like a mm-hmm. really successful one. He developed this strategy where he went to the gladiator fights and won, but instead of killing his um, the opponents who were criminals, he kept pardoning them. And the king caught notice of this. He called him, and then Landon was like... Called him. Yeah, he, the king was like, what do you want? And Landon says, I want to take the men that I pardoned, and I want them to be my men. Like, I want to command them. A merry band of thieves. Exactly. Um, king and, sanctioned. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah, and so Landon, no one knows who he is. He's going by a, a fake name of Belaine's. Um, he becomes this, like, really prestigious known commander of, like, the band of thieves, mm-hmm. uh, like, known across the kingdoms. Um, so he escaped. He's like prospering basically, but he hasn't forgotten Tarina. Um, and like he works really hard not to take life um, because like that feels very wrong to him. Tarina also makes it through. She stumbles into, she's very lucky to stumble into some very kind folks um, who are peasants. They're like, you know, they have a farm. They take her in, they build her her own little cabin. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Vesputo is governing uh, shady stuff, kind of just sounds like he's not a very good king, which isn't surprising. Um, there's a war coming because the Skiites, Sliv, Slivites, Slivites, they're like a, a pirate kingdom. Um, that's how they're made to seem, are going to attack. So the High King, Damis, is now in the mix. He shows up. Um, he's trying to get all the other kings to ally with him so that they can defeat the Slevites. Um, the Slevites. He, Tarina goes into the town when the High King is there. She gives someone a letter. Like, she finds a soldier and is like, I need you to give this to the king. And that works out. Like, he does. Mm-hmm. I was shocked that that one went through. Um, seems like it's pretty easy to get a letter to <laughs> well, because of the crystal, she knew who one of his right, right, man, it's, it's right hand men was. Yeah. Um, so she knew exactly funny. who to go to. And she's enigmatic and mysterious. And she says she can see the future. Yeah. So then the king, the high king, who likes to uh, gallivant about in disguise, which seems kind of irresponsible to me. <laughs> Um, he goes to her house. He he goes in. He's like, "What's up? Why? What am I doing here?" <laughs> I'm here. And then she's like, "I'm I'm a fortune teller. I can tell you certain things." Um, and she starts to help him. Like mm-hmm. he's consulting her um, for affairs of his kingdom. Uh, until right before uh, the big battle, because she sees in the crystal that he has allied himself with Vesputo. 
Um, and uh, when he uh, comes to her next, she's like, why did you do that? He's evil. He'll betray you. She's right. Um, but the King Damas is just like, she doesn't know. Like, what does she know about forging allyships? Um, because Vesputo did send one of his men, like not very long prior to that, with a poisoned um, stiletto uh, to kill the king. The king outsmarted him because Tarina told him that he was coming. Right. And this is how she gained his confidence in the first place. Yes, yeah. That's why he trusted her. Um, so, But at that point, when she sees him ally with Vespito, she's like, I'm not going to tell you stuff anymore. And that's when she stops looking in the crystal, too. Um, before that point, she had also been desperately seeking Landon, which she couldn't see him because she can't see her own future. <laughs> Uh, but like she's also frustrated that it's never shown anything to her because she doesn't know that um and then there's there's another like king council Vesputo is like I my spies no one else's spies my spies yeah. exclusively <laughs> said that this is where this the Slivites are going to attack none of the rest of you will have heard anything of this don't worry about it yeah and everyone's like okay Vesputo <laughs> and they, guy they, who became king under extremely mysterious circumstances yeah, everyone around him died <laughs> no need to question uh, they, they send all of their troops to to the place where Vesputo told them to and cut to he betrayed everyone like this huge this massive like uh Roman navy <laughs> just pulls up on yeah. their beach uh like right where it came on a beach in Damas's yeah then. which is super bad um that would just like totally shatter the alliance he sent all his troops away to go protect Arkeld except for Melanes, um Landon and his uh, uh merry band mm-hmm. um he devises a plan Landon right yeah he comes up with a plan um we're going to go in the water. We have drills and we have tiny little boats. We're going to drill holes in the big boats and then we're going to stuff uh, tinder in there. We're going to paint pitch on the side. And when we get the signal, the bonfire from the beach, we're going to light the ships and we're going to swim out. And, and we have to swim away. <laughs> we have to swim across a riptide uh, like for a mile uh, to a secluded beach. Um, and uh, his his... Uh, band is all like, okay, we're going to do this. Um, it's so tense and so wild. Yeah, it's scary. I was like, you know, racking my hands and just, or wringing my hands, sorry. And just like, ah, the whole time. Um, Landon's really upset because he really doesn't want to kill anyone. He literally never has. Yeah. Um, but he, he does it. Um, almost drowns, uh, but he's saved by a different one of his men. Um, and then he saves one of the slaves that had fallen off of this Levite ship. Mm-hmm. Um, that just like as an aside, like that does, dude doesn't come up again. Here's another aside. Um, Belaine, Slandon, and one of his men who we're trying to figure out his name right now. Uh, <laughs> Andres. 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 Uh, Andres. Okay. That's up to you. He, uh, they do this amazing fake out that I thought was going to be the rest of the book, but it was like five pages where they show up at Vesputo's court. um, At Damas's request. Yes. Yeah. Damas told them to go steal the thing, but they don't even know what it is. Um, Yes. He just said, there's a treasure. I'll tell you where. I need you to steal it. I need you to get it. Um, 
So they show up at Vesputo's. Vesputo is like, huh, <laughs> it's you. Um, and Andres gets him drunk at the celebratory banquet, like so drunk that he can steal his ring and his keys. He has to win a blackout contest yeah. against Vesputo and all of and his all of, men. Yeah, everyone else, like they literally all just it. pass out at the table and Andres like finally slashes away uh, to release Landon. Uh, they go and they get the pyramid box from the treasury. Neither of them have any idea what's in it, but Landon does feel very comforted and warmed mm. by the box. Um, so yeah, they King Domus has it the whole time. Yeah. So then go back to after the boat attack, um, another scene of people just like passed out all over the ground. Like all of his men have like dragged to shore, um, except the ones that didn't make it. But a good a good lot of them did. Um, they all just like passed out on the beach. They're completely exhausted. Um, and it's <laughs> fascinating to see the battle from their perspective. And then off page, we get the actual fight at the keep at right. the bay. Mm-hmm. And then Damas comes later and is like, oh, you guys did it. Good job. <laughs> yes, they're all just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I, I felt like that was a good depiction of being in a battle because you yeah you only know what's going on well in your it kind of reminds me of like if you in return of the king only have frodo and sam's perspective <laughs> and you just have no idea what else and at is the end aragorn's just like i'm king everything's cool <laughs> yeah yeah it turns out aragorn's right there i mean and i guess that's gates. different well no it's a pretty parallel situation because like frodo and sam landon and his men are if they didn't complete their task the fight would be unwinnable same as um, so the fighting is really secondary yeah mm-hmm. it's and trina is also off in her own like pocket world right. um she's so isolated throughout the book it's yeah painful. it's she's really sad and lonely um damas did gift her a amazing horse that she's been riding around but recently she forgets her kerchief one day when she was super upset riding and i think it must be extremely rare to have red hair um in this kingdom <laughs> the way these people talk because about it. all all 12 of the red-haired women in the greater kingdoms <laughs> and also i kept thinking about those other poor women i, I was like all these awful dudes are showing up all the time like probably beating them and demanding whether they're seers and they're just like why yeah so people see her and news immediately gets back to Vesputo um so he sends uh Baron he sends Baron to kill her he spreads rumors that she's the one whose fault it is that the king didn't know the Slevites were coming that that she was informing them right and he tells all the other kings about it and so they send assassins like a, to a king's pact that they're all going to try to kill her yeah but this this is the point at which landon discovers via king damas because king damas mm-hmm. is like go get her and you know save yeah. her yeah and the land is like sorry who do you want me to say does she have <laughs> red hair yeah red hair you say <laughs> so he goes and finds her they have like a lovely little like uh, there's like a little cabin in the woods that he builds mm-hmm. where he takes her so she can be safe. Um, he does knock her out in front of the farm family that she has uh, because he needed them to tell other assassins yeah, that, that the, she'd been taken already. You're too late. I already killed her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So they have like a lovely little weekend um, at their cabin. It's only a couple days, right? Yeah, it's just a few days um, where they're catching each other up on their lives up to that point. 
Yeah. Tarina tells Landon, um, first she sees in her crystal Vespito and Baron plotting to kill Damas. Okay. Then she tells Landon that the sword was not destroyed um, because Kareed made everyone think that he had successfully destroyed it, but that it was actually just hidden under the castle. And then he realizes that that's what he stole for Damas. No, he doesn't realize that. Oh, he doesn't realize that until later. Yeah. Yeah, Because if he had, then he wouldn't have gone. But in like two sentences, suddenly he's back in Arkel. Yeah. So he's like, I have to go warn Damas and then go to Arkel to get the sword and he gets caught. Immediately. Yeah. Um, and uh, so but first they say they love each other and they yes. have a kiss. Yes. There's a kiss. Um, and then he books, he leaves. And Tarina's just like, okay. Um, Tarina then leaves as well. I think she realizes like that he's screwed. Um, she chills for a little while being like, mm, kisses. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, realizes she needs to try to find him as quickly as possible because she sees in her crystal that he's been captured. Yeah. Yeah. That he's next to Vespita. Yes. Um, so she also immediately embarks on a cross country trip, uh, flies, flies as Damas does too, because she warns Damas first. She's like, he's been captured. Mm -hmm. So Damas goes, she goes separately. Landon, I think he realizes He's just in in prison. Yeah, he's in prison. He doesn't do anything else at this point. Around that time, he finds out that the pyramid box he stole was the sword. And then he's like, oh my God, I did a a real big dumb, (laughs) a big no no. Uh, And Vespito. And Thomas wasn't keeping it from him. He just didn't know who he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Vespito is like, execution and so the next day that like landon's up on the scaffold everyone's arranged it's very tense um and then suddenly a hooded boy on the ramparts shoots vesputo in the shoulder with an arrow and it's just like whoa um and then and then king thomas hiking thomas busts through the gates um and is like what's What's going on here? Uh, <laughs> what are you doing to my man, Balains? Uh, my thief king, <laughs> my thief captain. And uh, Vesputo is like, This is Landon, the crown prince of Balandra, and I'm killing him. And King Damas is like, Whoa. <laughs> and uh, uh, like, while this argument's going on, um, Somebody accuses Vesputo. They're like, no, it was not Landon. It was Vesputo. He killed the king. I think it's Tarina. Yeah, it's Tarina. From the ramparts. She was the No, boy. they've already captured her. They've got her there. Yeah. And she's like, I know who killed King Kareed because he's saying Landon did it. Right. And they're like, what, boy? And, 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 and she's she, like, it was you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Throws her kerchief off. Yes. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's the, it's the princess. And the moment is so great the way it's like been crafted because suddenly it's like, oh, she isn't dead. He's lied to us. And, and her mom is coming toward her mm-hmm. um, and she's going toward her mom. Yeah. And then. Vesputo tries to, he like nods to the headsman and the headsman is going to choppy chop while And Vesputo tries to go forward. He and tries to kill Tarina. And kill Tarina. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and. Uh, who ends up? Emid. 
yeah, the the captain, the of, captain who trains the young soldiers, mm-hmm. who um, knew that Tarina and Landon had been hanging out like all along from their childhood. Like he's very, right. He's he very good guy. Their friendship grow. He had his suspicions that Tarina was alive, and he executes a perfectly thrown dagger, right, and kills Vesputo. Chunk, and Vesputo falls down. Amazing <laughs> moment of silence because. Imid, I don't know how to say anyone's yeah. name, um, is like, okay, I just treasoned in front of the entire court, but like, who is king? Who is, what is treason? Mm-hmm. He because, stole the throne. Well, the thing is, Vesputo never married Tarina. No, he didn't. He, he was a false king the entire yeah, time. Yes, he wasn't officially. His e- own, even his horrible claim, <laughs> which was technically legitimate, wasn't true. It, yeah, they, yeah, because he never married Tarina. Um, yeah, and then everyone's yeah. like, yay! Yeah. <laughs> and then they just, woo! Uh, and uh, shortly after, there's like a party. Everyone's, you know, talking to Trina is crowned. Yes. Trina is crowned. Um, you know, people are feeling a lot better. She gets to talk to her mom. Her mom's like, I knew you weren't dead. They get to hug. It's very nice. Um, and, uh, Landon is there as well. And they're just kind of like looking at each other. Um, and then the book ends, uh, when, Landon asks Tarina, they ask each other, like, what do you see in your future? Yeah. And then it's, you know, She's obvious. Like, well, I can't see my own future. It's right. the same, like, flirty, like, we're together now. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Forever and ever. <laughs> Kingdom um, prosperity. Uh, yeah. So an incredibly happy and positive ending to what was often a very uh, brutal and dark book. So old and new impressions... We both of us haven't read read this this book book. before. Um, I thought that I had. I think I was confused by the cover, which I loathe so very much. (laughs) There were a number of covers being done in a similar style around this period. I think, like end of '90s, beginning of aughts, YA fantasy. Um, And I'm not sure exactly what I was confusing it with, but I think. It makes sense that I thought I had read it because it is, in a lot of ways, on its face, a pretty straightforward ed- fantasy adventure. Yeah. Um, but I do think that what I gained from reading it now at this age is seeing the cool ways in which you can take that framework, but then introduce some more interesting concepts for your readers to kind of puzzle over and think through and grapple with um the primary one being the use and cost of violence yeah um very thoroughly explored yeah and we get it from from the very start we see okay there are these two neighboring kingdoms one is totally bent on dominion war um just conquest conquest of other cultures and nations yeah and then the other is dedicated to the pursuit of knowledge and art and as such is very vulnerable to the war bent nation um, and falls to it very quickly but in the end it is the pursuit of peace that wins out which isn't necessarily how things always work in reality but at least we can have as you said a happy ending in our fantasy book and it's very appealing when Damas shows up and is 
portrayed and characterized from the start as someone who's seeking peace and seeking to bring the different kingdoms together as allies Mm -hmm. instead of just expanding his own bounds. Um, The way that Kareed, who then gave rise to Vesputo, was. um, And we also see the ramifications of Kareed being so conquest-driven because he trusts and values someone like Vesputo Mm -hmm. who has no honor. Yeah, no honor, no moral compass. Like, he's only interested in his... um, personal advancement yeah it's fascinating from the start to um i think the way that tarina views the world is you know constantly she's constantly questioning it throughout um she's really had this picture painted for her by her father of this is what kings do Mm -hmm. they conquer and i thought there was a cool moment later on when Baron has a moment of questioning himself when he is on his way to assassinate King Domus. Yeah. Wait. (laughs) I remember when I was a kid and Emid told me you shouldn't kill someone um, if it's not in the line of, you know, honorable duty. Yeah. Um, And certainly shouldn't kill uh, your ruler because the high king is technically like, as you said, a super king. So he has some kind of dominion over everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, but he's a grown adult who has been in this line of service for so long and hasn't questioned it. And even in that moment, he says, no, like, this is what you do. Vesputo um, told me to do it. It's yeah, make him happy. told me to. It's going to be good for me. Um, whereas Trina, as a young child, from her father coming back from the conquest of Belandra, starts thinking about um, what that really means. Yeah. And like, why did he kill so many people, yeah. including Landon's father? Um, so I thought that that was interesting. In the end, we do, Landon does have to kill people. Um, and there is, you know, he's tortured by that. And he's also um, asking for peace for the souls of those people whose lives he's taken. The other piece I really liked, which is related to this, is kind of just his mindfulness throughout the book. Mm. Um, the way that he says from the start, my father told me that every what exactly does he say? Every moment. The can, moment is vast. Right. The moment is vast. Thank you. I want that tattooed on my face. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Madeline, the moment, is, the moment is vast, Harnoy. <laughs> um, yeah, which is really beautiful. And it's, he uses it throughout, um, even when he's not explicitly using it when he's older, when you can tell that he's really shirked that identity mm-hmm. um, and he's not even really thinking of himself as while he never forgets his mission, you know, you prepared my father, or you killed my father, prepared to die. You prepared my father. Killed to die. <laughs> um, he never forgets his mission, but he's not seeing himself as that person. He's changed so much. He's taken on this a completely different Robin Hood identity. Um, well, he's melded himself into a, um, they both have, mm-hmm. Tarina and Landon, into a, um, a hybrid so that right. they they have the the arts, the creativity, the like ability to love beautiful things mm-hmm. and to create beautiful things, and they also have the ability to defend themselves and the people they love and the people who can't 
defend themselves. Right. Um, so I, and I really liked that as the mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, you don't, you don't want to incite violence, but it's also important to be able to defend yourself against violence and like in yes. the pursuit of peace, you know? Yes. Yeah. Which that's, can, that's a pretty wavy line in the pursuit of peace, violence in the pursuit right, of peace. But I know. <laughs> more so, I mean like you have to be able to defend yourself. Yes. You need to be realistic about the parameters within which you're living. Mm-hmm. Um, the world in which you exist and they both definitely create a bridge between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, They both go out into the world and learn the same practical skills. Although Landon has already learned some fighting when he was young, which Tarina would have done if she had been allowed and she did learn how to shoot. She learned to shoot really well. Yeah. Um, But she goes out in the world and learns how to cook and take care of herself she lives and on a farm. live yeah. on a farm work with her hands um, whereas Landon goes and learns how to be a leader in yeah. a lot of ways yeah. um, and yeah, how to be and a that, good leader right and yeah. maintain his inner goodness his, like compassion throughout. and integrity and be showing others by his example like even in something like this gladiator fight that's like serving as um, like a major tourism industry um, for that makes the kingdom a lot of money. Yeah, Um, you don't have to kill people, and if you don't, then the prisoners that the soldiers fighting against, in this case, land in their sentences are reduced. So so you don't get any prize money. Basically, tearing down the prison state, if you ask me, Mm -hmm. um, and taking the money out of the equation. Yeah, he's making it better all around. He's opening a path to rehabilitation for these men. And like personally, he and personally takes them. Exactly. Yeah. And all of the, you know, nonviolent offenders are the ones who he keeps as his men. And then the like creepy kid murderer, yeah. he asks someone else to kill. So. I killed him because I was mad at his father. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, yeah. When he said that, I was lot. like, oh, <laughs> Okay, so then the last piece is also loosely connected to that that I really liked and took away from this. Um, They learn those pieces of themselves through sustained isolation, which is very sad at different parts of the book. Um, Landon's isolation really occurs earlier in his life, and then he finds his people later on. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a really great line where Tarina says to him, you would live your life in exile when he's fleeing Mm -hmm. after he he knows that he's going to be accused of Creed's murder. Yeah. And he says, I've been in exile my whole life because he was brought to this kingdom. And that's a real wake up call for Tarina to to start looking at things a little bit differently um, and realizing that she has been in this bubble of coddled privilege and was the spoiled princess that she didn't want to ever be. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, through that period of isolation, is just kind of sharpening his mind and will. Um, And I think that's how he can end up coming from this place where you would think that he would probably be feeling pretty vengeful and like finding ways to take the kingdom down from within. Um, And in the end, it's kind of amazing because technically I don't, I don't think Arkeld is going to be existing in the independent fashion that it was any longer. Like it's fully allied with Domus, with the other kingdoms. Well, and if she marries, he has actually ended that that reigns characterizing conquest goal. And it's it's 
stands like I I kind of assume that if if she and Landon have children, then mm-hmm. those children will be the heirs to both kingdoms. Right. Yeah. I don't know what's up with Belandra because it doesn't like exist anymore. Well, it sounds like people are still arting, uh, but they're a lot less happy. Yeah, and there's a lot more bad. like capitalism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds very bad. Yeah. Um, and just finishing up my thought, I promise I'm almost done. Then Tarina's isolation is much more difficult to witness. Um, she is so alone. She doesn't know if her mom is alive. She doesn't know if Landon's alive. The crystal won't show her anything. And she doesn't know when she might be brutally murdered because she knows that Vesputo knows that she is still out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there are some people on the internet, you know where, yeah. <laughs> I won't say, Grace's nemesis, on, uh, perhaps on goodreads.com, um, where this book is pretty polarizing because people either find it such a wonderful, fun escape or say that it is too tropey to like stereotypical fantasy. And a lot of them also say that Tarina is not a developed enough character and is very passive. Um, she rides across like three different kingdoms. <laughs> well, yeah, I she do. She gets herself over the darn mountains. She learns how to be independent on a farm in a house that she lives in by herself. Well, that's the thing. And I feel like this is where, and this is an argument I've made before. I feel like in fantasy, female characters who don't take up a very stereotypical, like I'm becoming a warrior are seen as less active or less valuable because she's the one who goes to send a message to Damas and Mm -hmm. integrates herself into the entire political uprising and plot when Mm -hmm. that is undermining the very thing she's been spending years doing of Mm -hmm. hiding and disappearing and like trying to just find another life. And it's not like she can go become a soldier and start arranging her band of merry thieves around her like the misogyny in this kingdom is so deep yeah much more than a lot of recent um like medieval setting fantasy that type books done. that They've we've read more progressive and i guess yeah. like i'm also jaded because we just read a tamara pierce right. book yeah. which is and it's all about women so wonderful for, yeah <laughs> creating these very different roles for women than what are found in typical fantasy books. Um, And I'm not saying this is the fault of Victoria Hanley. I think this is a very like realistic depiction of a world where there is also still such a drive to conquer neighboring kingdoms. And there's such a thirst for war. Like it feels that we're very deep in the crush of the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's not a lot of room for flexibility within that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like she does an amazing job through those years of being totally alone, of figuring out what she's going to do next and ultimately being ready to ride down and shoot Vesputo. And I'm glad that she gets to be the one to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your impressions? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I kind of talked some with you, so I'll, I'll just say a couple other things. Um, what, it, what you were saying just now, uh, I, I think that it is... <laughs> more subversive and feminist to have a female hero who isn't just picked up and dropped into the place of a 
stereotypical male hero yeah. and then doing all the things that a male hero would do. Yes. Like obviously they, you know, speaking of Tamara Pierce, like there's ways of doing that in a really uh, well thought out way where it still feels like you're being true to like the identity of the person who's in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's like what they were saying, like that it was too, too stereotypical because I really love it when you play it out into like, okay, what would actually happen? Like, yes, a man could absolutely, a tall, handsome man who's amazing at fighting, he can absolutely go make his way for himself, like, and, you know, rise through the ranks. And like you were saying, that is literally impossible for Tarina to do. If she had been able to do that. Unless she disguised herself as a man, but then she is coming from a position where she's never been allowed to learn any of the physical tasks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be necessary. So I actually... And Landon was a really bad fighter when he started it took him years Mm -hmm. of like very dedicated focus and practice Mm -hmm. to become talented yeah but especially like and he's guided by his not thirst for revenge but his drive to maintain the kingdom of Belandra that's what he wants to do Um, so I feel like it's really valuable that she finds her own way in the spheres in which Mm -hmm. she is allowed and she's an extremely distinctive looking person Um, she knows like the second that she lets someone see her hair Mm -hmm. Vespito is instantly made aware of it so like she was right she yeah. had to hide um and uh, i i just think that the ways in which she grows are not like stereotypical for uh, a fantasy book um mm-hmm. at all actually like yeah the the plot strokes are there but this book even though it's like extremely plot driven it's about a lot more than that mm-hmm. it's it's a lot more like the spaces between the plot that give it life um, so yeah, I just wanted to push back against that and agree with you. Great. Um, and, uh, so the, the meditative quality of mm-hmm. the solitude in this book, like for instance, the moment is vast, like that is a really like simple and evocative way to just like talk about meditation and mindfulness in general. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you are always present, then, like the the present is the only place in which you can actually do anything. Um, like you can work in ways that will improve the future, but you don't actually have power to like see what's going to happen. You don't have any power to change the past, which is something that I'm um, working on really hard about just yeah. dropping the things from the past that you don't want or need. Um, which is a lot of them, you know, like that you, I get stuck, um, perseveration is one of the bipolar things so it's and boy do i perseverate uh, or like uh hyper focus on stuff uh and in order to break those thought patterns you have to work really hard <laughs> yeah because they snuck in there when you weren't paying any attention at all uh, when you know you're just reacting to like random stimuli and like the brain chemicals going haywire um so having the space to take that time and to be able to just like reflect and look, just do live a day-to-day life, Mm -hmm. find pleasure in the things that you're doing, like go, go for long horse rides or long walks. It, it reminded me too, like I felt a lot of empathy for her because I've, I haven't like, I've, I've always had people that I loved, um, like in my life in some capacity, but 
when when you're dealing with mental illness, it's possible to have a lot of people around you that you trust and love and yet still feel really, really alone, um, like devastatingly so. Uh, so it, it really made me think of that and I empathized yeah. a lot with her Yeah, and I was really proud of her that she was able to learn so much mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, like, because I've been in periods where, you know, I'm out of it. I'm definitely not learning anything. I'm like barely completing basic tasks like of hygiene and like, and she's, she's just been through this horrible trauma and she's all out of whack. Um, and she keeps moving forward, yeah. which is all you have to do sometimes. Yeah. And I, I appreciate both, um, Trina and Landon. Like he just kept mm-hmm. against these ridiculous, ridiculously like they seem so insurmountable odds but they just kept working towards like the ends that in Landon's case like he he was very focused on his goal his whole life and he got there yeah I in some ways it reminds me of the first few months of the pandemic when Mm, people yeah, were like that's what you, I was know, thinking about too. <laughs> you can write the great American novel like you can learn this new skill you can run five miles every day and right, it's, it's like, like no I can't oh, get out of bed wait <laughs> the world is ending yeah yeah so I'm not gonna do any of those yeah, things like, I don't, like, I don't care. I'm gonna do my best to like not lose my job mm-hmm. and to like feed myself yeah on a semi-regular basis mm-hmm. and that's gonna be that's gonna be that well and i'm proud of all of us for making it through that stage of the pandemic yes like every yeah everyone, i mean things are still very bad but at least now we have a plan well and, and like, even if that plan is just how to get up each day exactly yeah. yeah um yeah i don't mean a larger plan because i I don't see that. <laughs> I, yeah, I try not to, yeah. you know. The moment is fast. That. Exactly. Um, the moment is fast. And uh, I, I was in a, pri- a place of privilege where I was able to, um, when my health started going haywire a few months into the pandemic, I was able to eventually leave my job, like take the time and space that I needed um, to work on myself and get healthy. And I'm so much happier now. And it's it's not like a... I don't know when, cause I used to hear people say that like, Oh, I've like started meditating and now I'm so happy. Like yeah. it's, it's nothing like that. It's more like a, a peace mm-hmm. that you would call it. Right. Like if, if you feel peaceful, the moment is fast. <laughs> um, then like that's happiness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And reframing like an understanding of what true happiness means for you personally is a huge part of it too because Mm -hmm. it's yes so different for everyone exactly exactly and if you're if you're walking towards you know that's that's another thing that i empathize with uh tarina like she thought that she was supposed to do all of these things Mm -hmm. like that was her life plan and that's what she was going to do um and i had like also created one of those not pulling from like my own Mm -hmm. uh like 
true self mm-hmm. and desires, but it, like it took a lot to shed that and yeah. to start like striking out on a different path. Yeah. And I just, I loved all like the flights of, of Landon and Tarina, like just getting out of there, forging into their future and like suffering so much on the journey, but they were, they were okay when they got there. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt like there was so many messages of strength and resilience through trauma and pain and just like bad times. So I appreciated that a lot. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, the, the one, I guess this is a criticism, but I wish that, I wish we got, and I think this is the way that their paths were both written to like Tarina's is so, it was more external in a lot of ways. Whereas Landon's has always been more internal because Landon's, Landon's process has been one of him having to hide who he is. Whereas who Tarina was, was very obvious when she was young, Mm -hmm. but then all the little things that she did need to conceal from others started appearing. And then she has the ultimate betrayal of Vesputo killing her father. Um, I mean, her first quote unquote love (laughs) being totally shattered, um, her being cut off from her mother, like losing every support system. I think we don't get as much from her throughout the book as we do Landon in terms of like truly knowing what's going on. Yeah. Um, she is a bit of a thinner character, but I think that, like you're saying, we can still be guided by her actions and by what she chooses to do on the page um, in showing us that she is going through this period of significant growth. Um, The book is like, it's so plot driven in a way that we, there's just not a lot of room for characterization a lot of the time. And I think that's one way in which it, you know, can feel like, oh, a more like straightforward Mm. fantasy story. Okay. But then I think there are these concepts and themes that are woven throughout that you don't find in something super basic. Yes. So yeah, I see it both ways, you know, but I really, really enjoyed reading this. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> animals. Just yeah. like animals, animals in this book. Horses. Horse book. <laughs> capital H, capital B. Yeah. Um, we even get a horse thief, Ardness. <laughs> I keep forgetting his name. Ardness. Ardness. Uh, yeah, there's something about the naming conventions in this book. They don't feel natural to me. They're I just, a little like, tough. I can't remember anything. They're a little tough. Um, but he is one of Landon's thieves. He was a horse thief. And you can tell that it's for the love of horses. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not necessarily for, like, significant financial gain. Um, and whenever he's given a horse throughout the book or is riding a horse, he's like, yeah. Yeah. Horses. <laughs> I love them. They're but beautiful. There's a number of shadow facts moments in this book where it's just like, ah, the beautiful horse. The perfect <laughs> gray stallion arrived. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Tarina has been, you know, has totally sunk into like her life of isolation and destitution. And King Damas shows up and is like, here, this white this white horse is for you mm-hmm. and she's like crying <laughs> rubbing her face in its mane yeah and it's just like oh my god i mean she's just so happy to have a friend 
Truly. Yeah. Yeah. And that she and her horse go, uh, uh, Justina. Justina. <laughs> I remember that name. I know when she said that, I was like, is, that, is she naming that after someone? Or I don't know why, but I also found the fact that her father's horse's name was Amber. It was just really funny to yeah. me. It's like, oh, the girl I went to camp with in middle school, <laughs> Amber. Yeah. Yeah. The um, very funny naming conventions. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the horses are glorious. Um, there were moments when I felt frantic reading when someone needed to get somewhere quickly and I was like you don't have a horse I and know. I was like I've fully bought into this book <laughs> <laughs> quick call the horses I mean there's a lot of cross co- uh, country travel in this book so yeah you need a horse genuinely don't remember if there were any other animals like scenic stuff like you know yeah I think that's really it yeah um, and so that's that's my one critique is they should have given her a dog <laughs> Oh, she could have had a dog. If she had a cute little pet, I mean, her stuff would be less grim, desolate, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Less lonely. Less effective, maybe. Um, there's also, okay, so in, in a similar vein, pretend food. There's not that much room for that much food. Yeah. Um, it we just have to keep moving along so quickly. And then we have these big cuts of time. So like when there are time jumps, there's going to be less pretend food. I've really noticed the correlation um, because we're working in swaths that are just too broad of strokes for us to get to meals. And you know me, I never miss a meal. So I get a little disappointed. There is at the beginning when um, I think it's in like the mess hall where Baron and Eric are arguing because Eric has decided he's going to stick up for Landon and they're like shoving their bowls of mush at each other from across the table. Yeah, there was a, a mush fight um, <laughs> filled with insults. Like Baron shoved his mush at Eric and then Eric was like, thanks, you haven't touched it yet so I can manage to eat it. Yeah. And they're like, fight, fight, fight. Um, there is a little feast. Um, so this is when, this is when Landon is competing in the cell tech. There were a lot of medieval words that I also didn't know in this book. Um, although a quick goog of cell tech did not bring up anything other than like local, um, Local contractor companies. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Local knights competition. Yeah. (laughs) There are some skirmishes taking place this weekend. Um, But uh, yeah, what was the name of the boats that they used to go up to? um, Oh, yeah. They were called like Squovitz or something. Yeah, I looked. They weren't called Squovitz. They weren't called Squovitz. But they were something that I I thought that that's they were talking about the drills at first. Um, so the little boats they used to go up to the pirate ships were called coracles, and I looked that up, and I've definitely seen this in movies before. They're like round thatched little um, okay. rafts, basically with upturned edges, and you have like a little oar that's stuck through it that goes under okay. it that you kind of use to paddle and steer it. I think they use one in like a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Probably. Yeah, because it's Pro- like a sneaky boat Actually, for doing Madeline, sneaky I things. I think you're exactly right. I think it's <laughs> I think it's in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. <laughs> good, good. Glad we learned something from watching the movie. So many times. So many times. <laughs> Uh, the Black Pearl, of course. The first um, one. So, uh, I'm sorry, Curse of the Black Pearl. That's the full name, Thanks. right? We were, we were going to get letters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't even nice. know. 
<laughs> okay, but Celtic was another one of those words, which was like a knightery competition yeah. um, where the different student soldiers would compete against one another in um, like hand-to-hand combat, bow, archery, <laughs> bow fighting, as we almost said, um, and sword fighting, uh, similar to you know, a knight's tourney um, and Landon wins the uh, archery portion and then everybody gets a feast, which I am going to just treat us all to right now. Landon smiled. He realized he hadn't been hungry since Belandra fell. The food was excellent. Tender, flavorful cheeses, flaky, tasty breads and crackers, delicious soups bursting with herbs. Side note, I love that they're bursting with herbs. I feel like that's the last thing <laughs> someone usually uses as a major like, food descriptor. It's like mostly parsley when you try to spoon it up. But during these, I don't know, during these times, maybe herbs was exciting. Maybe those were harder to well, come by. But it seems like a climate in which it's easy to grow vegetables. So it would be easy to grow herbs, but... Yeah, okay, I'll go on. Stuffed hens simmered in their own juices. Oh. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. It sounds delicious. <laughs> Landon ate with a kind of ecstasy, devouring everything. No, savoring everything. And I'm sure his appetite was not great as a captured young and being forced to go into soldier school, yeah. being bullied constantly and having his food taken away all the time. Um, so I was happy for Landon to get that feast. Yeah, it sounds good, too. It's close to dinner. So now I really want flaky... <sighs> I want, want soups bursting with herbs. Uh, the flakiness. No. Just <laughs> We've discussed this before, but Madeline doesn't like a particularly herby soup. I like plain foods. <laughs> I like ones, yeah, that, you know, don't have... I, I can eat fancy foods, too, <laughs> but I really like eating Madeline's wringing her hands. Grr, fight me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, really the most of the rest of the book. Um, so the most important pretend food is the opium filled goblets of drink. I mean, some kind of, it sounds like wine. I was thinking of it as like cherry liqueur with opium in it. (laughs) I think Drea mentions that it is cherry scented. And it's flavor. It's like sweet. And I feel for her when she is um, coming off of her addiction, um, which has been long term and the goblets are being brought to her, but she's having to stop herself from drinking them and get rid of them. Even though she knows it would make her feel better. Um, And yeah, going through all this by herself while keeping it from those around her. Yeah, stuff. She has, it's like a, her train spotting scene where yeah. there's like goblins poking at oh, her. Yeah, it's, it's like, really uh, bad. It's really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, but she does it. She makes it. Good job, Drea. And yeah, just a lot of drugged drinks. Yeah. Makes me wary. Keep everyone away from my chalice. Yeah, I mean, but literally the only, the only person who's ever on my drinks is my partner. Um, and I guess I trust him. Maybe. I f- it would be a How lot. How much opium does he have on him? <laughs> if someone poisoned me, I would blame my cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Accidental I love her. or intentional. I love her, but I don't think she's above poisoning. Hmm. I don't know, Grace. You'll have to ask her. Something to think about. <laughs> I guess that's that. <laughs> Pretend food. The rest of the book is really just like bread. Very simple cider, stuff. Yeah. Wine. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the, drunk, the drunken wine scene. Um, I did, I did feel for Arndis. I don't know. I'm just making his name more and more of a mush mouth. Um, but he loves, he says, you know how much but I love wine. You, you know, I love wine. <laughs> and it's like, you can't actually drink like, it. Just this is very it all over yourself. Make it look like you're drinking it. Yeah. Um, and then whenever he does have a little sip, he's like, Oh, it's so good. That, that would be a great, uh, task for me because I'm excellent at spilling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just throwing wine all over the place and barely drinking any. I could do that. Well, you're my man. (laughs) Next time I need to go kidnap the sword of peace. Okay, badass ladies. Badass ladies. So my badass lady is Tarina's grandmother. Oh, yeah. And Scylla, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Um, She is... A very cool cool character. We haven't talked about her too much, but um, she really helps encourage Tarina's individuality. um, And her magic, too. And her magic, her independence. She helps her um, do the things she wants to do and be able to not have quite such a sheltered life as her parents would. Because she's her, like, um, main attendant so like yeah. that's so, Un- right until yeah. she's a little older and yeah. like, oh, we gotta put a ball and chain on this one. Yeah, um, she's feisty. <laughs> she has red hair. <laughs> um, and, uh, it is. It is. That is an unfortunate trope in fiction. Like the one red hair because they're fiery. Like, <laughs> because their oh hair my is God. red. It's very stupid. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Um, but. She, I, I feel from her the like deep exhaustion of having first a husband and then a son who are like after all the wrong things and who have these wonderful families and like other things in their lives, their professions, their rules that they can tend to, but instead they have this um, insatiable greed and bloodthirst. That's not good. And my rating for her is her epitaph which was so amazing and i want this to be my epitaph um so madeline write it down i'll write it down (laughs) legally binding (laughs) a lawyer wrote it down (laughs) that's all i need (laughs) so it works yes which is life is long and goes quickly yeah very good stuff thank you ancilla I, I'm torn between Drea and Tarina. Um, I think I am going to give it to Tarina because I related to her so much. Um, and uh, I wanted to rate her a life doing whatever it is that she finds most fulfilling. So, yeah, a happy ending. Yes. Which she gets. Which she does so the get. the rating comes true. Yes. And I, I planned it. I mean, I want to give an honorary mention to Drea, too. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, we didn't talk about her too much. I didn't love the way she was characterized a lot of the time as being, like, docile and given to domestic tasks. But it's because it was always from Vespito's perspective. Yeah. Um, for the most part. And then Tarina, when she's young, and she's like, I don't want to be boring like my mom and, like, pretty and princessy. And I think and it's, it's like, also- she's been through a lot. She's had, what, seven miscarriages? Yeah, it was horrifying. Um, well, and she she's also stuck 
Like she's, no, exactly. she's been pushed into right. that role. Exactly. Yeah. And she also is forced into the role of like taking emotional care of King Kareed, which mm-hmm. seems like quite a burden because that dude is a mess. Kind of a nightmare. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but she, she plays a pivotal part in saving does. everyone. She's very smart. Yeah, and she, she sends the message that the sword was there. Yeah. She, she incites yeah. some of the most important events. Uh, and she clearly knows how to have her sway within the political and courtly realms yes which a lot of other people don't really understand what to do with uh, at least our you know main characters so yeah good job drea and that brings us to the end of the seer and the sword thank you so much to our listeners who requested this book loved reading it it was a great book thank you um, and, uh, yeah, I'm feeling swashbuckling now, so I guess I'll have to, uh, head out and find a peace sword of my own. Buckle some swashes. You can find us on the internet at dragonbabiespodcast.com. I always have an episode page with links to anything particular we mentioned, some helpful photos, maybe a picture of, um, that boat whose name I've already forgotten. <laughs> Coracle. Thrilling stuff. A coracle. Sorry, a civet. We're on Instagram at Dragon Babies Podcast and on Twitter at Dragon Babies Pod. And you can email us at dragonbabiespodcast at gmail.com. We love getting your emails. As always, I'm pretty slow in answering them, but they They really brighten our days. Yeah, we both read them. We read them every single one and we love them. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, And if you want to look at some weird spooky art with a nature theme uh i don't know i I draw all kinds of stuff but i like it to be a little bit spooky at least um check out my instagram it is pig and doodles that's my handle so the word pig the letter n the word doodles the next book we're going to cover will be the merchant of death by DJ McHale. Pendragon book one. First book in the Pendragon series. Um, this is a uh, Madeline favorite, so get ready. Yeah, Madeline I Madeline Hive, rise up. <laughs> <laughs> I loved these books when I was young, and I don't think I ever actually finished the series um, because I, like, literally went to college or something, and then I... <laughs> something like that. Well, no, I... <laughs> no, I, I know, I'm, I was, yeah. Because I, I liked reading for fun. Well, I stopped reading for fun around when I was like 16 or 17. And then I didn't restart until like we started this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, we'll be back soon with that. Woo, 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 woo. I'm Grace. I'm Madeline. Until next time. Goodbye. <laughs>